Thanks, Jordan. Isn't that incredible, hearing what God did at the outpouring? Yeah, I think God's moving. I think there's something new happening, something fresh that's happening. Uh, yesterday, Lori and I were down at uh, St. Vincent de Paul, and we went down there to serve with her uh, college alumni group. And um, as we're standing there meeting a couple people, I, I glanced off to the side and I saw a woman, and I thought I had a word of knowledge for her. So I went over and introduced myself and, and, and presented it to her. And, and it wasn't totally accurate, but it was accurate enough that she was amazed. And she said, how did you know that? I got to pray for that issue, that concern in her heart. But then I asked her if she had any physical issues, and she said, yeah, for several years, ever since an accident, she, she's had severe back pain, and she had a walker there with a, with a cane with it. And, and I said, well, can I pray for that? And she said, yeah, pray for that. So I prayed for it. Holy Spirit did not like shake her. She didn't start shaking or bouncing or anything like that. In fact, there was no visible evidence that God had touched her. But I asked her, I said, you know, I, I told her this. I said, sometimes the healing comes when you actually test test what, what was hurting before. You know, like Jesus said to the guy once, he's with a withered hand. He didn't say, withered hand be healed, and then stretch forth your hand. He just said, stretch, stretch that withered hand out. And, and, and in the obedience of that came the healing. So I said, well, would you, would you uh, stand up and let's test your back? And she was afraid to do that. She said, no, she said, I'm afraid I'll fall down. She said, if I tried to bend over, I'll fall down. And so I, I just honored that and I said, okay. I said, but you know, Jesus may have just healed you right now. And, and if you find out that your back is better later, I want you just, just to know it was Jesus that did it. And so a half hour later, Lori and I were in the food pantry and this lady had gone through the line and gotten some food and she saw me from about here to the front row away. And, and she hustled right, just not, she didn't run, but she came as fast as she could over and just wrapped her arms around me, hugging me, saying, thank you, thank you. She said, did you see me? She said, did you see me bend over? Did you see me bending over? And she had been healed in the interim. Yeah. Yeah, I've just got to say, I think God's doing something, and um, that wasn't it. <laughs> but God's doing something. That's why we're having the outpouring here, okay? It's, it's because we do want to impact churches around the region, but it's because we want more for this church. I mean, what Jordan was describing that happened at the outpouring, what happened yesterday praying for that lady, that needs to become commonplace for us as a church. It really, it needs to be everybody's story. You all, I want all of you to have a story like that. That's why we're doing the outpouring. And really, that's why I want you to be here. But even if you're not here, you're still gonna benefit. You're gonna miss some of the fun, but you're gonna benefit because the church body here is gonna receive a new level of importing of God's presence and spirit for healing. So um, that's exciting and awesome. This Tuesday night, we are going to have a prayer meeting just focused on the outpouring, and it'll be downstairs, start at 6.30, probably last an hour and a half or so. What did I say? The outpouring. the outpouring. Okay, yeah, right, thank you. Kingdom Pursuit for the Kingdom Pursuit Conference. And um, so, I'd, boy, I'd love to see 100 people there to pray. And I mean, I, I want, I mean, I'd love to see all of you there to pray, crowd down into that basement, and we're gonna, we're gonna just, we're gonna uh, storm the gates of heaven over this. 
But I especially want people that um, have a gifting in prayer, prophetic ministry, any, anyone like that. Anyone that just wants to grow in personal healing, or if you need healing, if you need physical healing, then come to this meeting Tuesday night. God's going to do something special in you. Now, sometimes people are healed just in the process of hearing a testimony, just of hearing a story of what happened. So what I want to, and in the act of actually doing something about it, like stretch forth your hand, that man could have very easily said, Jesus, that's the problem. I can't stretch my hand. But Jesus said, stretch it out. So in the action of him, his brain telling his arm and his hand to stretch out was where the faith was expressed and the healing came. I just want to ask anybody here that came here with severe back problems, would you please stand right now? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just stand, okay? All right. Anyone else? All right. Now, try to do what you couldn't do before. If it's bending over, then bend over. If it is stretching your arms, stretch, test it. See, see if, if perhaps you are healed just in the last minute or two. Can you do that? Anybody? Any, any change, any impact? Any more mobility for anybody? Just hold your hand up if there was, okay? Okay, that's all right, that's all right. Please have a seat. We, we just do pray in Jesus' name for healing for each one of you. Thank you for being bold and standing up like that. Uh, we're gonna keep doing things like this because we need to press in more. And, um, and, and, and risk is where, where it happens. It's as we do this, there's just more and more and more that builds. And so um, thank you all for, for, for um, indulging me there at standing up. Show up for the prayer meeting Tuesday night, please, okay? All right, so next Sunday we're having a baptism service. So what I'm gonna do is take the next 15 minutes uh, just to do a brief teaching on baptism. Uh, not everything you'll get in the class but enough that I hope it kind of tantalizes you, some of you, and encourages you to take, take the step of being baptized if, if you never have. So baptism um, brings a lot of thoughts to mind, doesn't it? For instance, some people think of baptism and you, you picture a um, southern preacher by a river, or others might picture baptism of a, a, with a robe, a priest in robes and incense burning. But to look at it from a biblical perspective uh, is really important. And what we need to understand, first of all, is that baptism was not something that Jesus and the apostles invented. It was something that was cultural at the time of Jesus. The word baptism, baptizo, means to dip. And so it was used of tanners who worked with leather products and they would immerse their leather in chemicals that would permeate the leather, leather and make it workable so they could use it for its intended purpose then. And so the, um, the, the, whole, the whole concept of baptism was used by people in that day as a ritual to indicate a major change in life. If you're moving from one, one, um, from one phase of life to a radically different phase of life, people would often have a gathering and they would be baptized to indicate there's something new happening in my life. First place we see baptism mentioned in the Bible is with John the Baptist, who was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And he came to introduce the coming Messiah. And so he came and his message was, be baptized in a baptism of repentance. And basically what he was saying was this, 
Most of you have either forgotten that the Messiah is coming or you don't believe he's coming and you're not living as if he's coming. So he was saying, repent. That means change your mind, change your perspective and begin to anticipate the Messiah is already here and about to reveal himself and let that impact the way you live today. And so that was called a baptism of repentance. And here's what John said. It says, one day when the crowds were, bap- were being baptized, oh no, back up a step here. This is uh, Luke 3:16. John said, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so John says, this, new, this one's coming who's greater than me, greater than I, and that's Jesus. And he said, when he comes, he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. When you come to Christ, come to faith in Christ, you are immersed into the Holy Spirit. And he is immersed into you. He penetrates you, just like the leather being penetrated by the chemicals to change the, the, the actual composition of the leather. We are immersed into the Holy Spirit. And he says also fire. And fire represents two things. One of them is purity, and the other one is passion. And so he's saying when Jesus comes, he's going to bring something to you. This is going to radically impact your life. It's going to purify your life. It's going to put you in God and God in you. And you're going to develop a new passion for life. And so he says that in order to indicate what the ministry of Jesus would actually be and that ministry and that effect of what Jesus would actually do in our lives is represented in baptism. Now Jesus himself was baptized, but for different reasons than the reason that you and I are baptized for. In fact, when Jesus came to John to be baptized, it says John was amazed because Jesus is the Messiah and he had no sin to repent of, so why would he be baptized? Well, first of all, because Jesus was entering a new era of life. He was entering into his public ministry era of life. And secondly, Jesus was, in a sense, identifying with us in our sin, because although he himself never sinned, when he went to the cross, he took our sin on himself. And so he was identifying with us as a people who need salvation, even though he himself did not. So Jesus was baptized, and um, in that, he, he really kind of sets the pace and the tone for the rest of us. But for us today, what baptism symbolizes is something, uh, first of all, outward. It's an outward commitment that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus said this. He said, I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. This is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Therefore, go... Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus says, first of all, now that I am the resurrected Lord and King, I have authority over this whole planet. So you, my followers, here are your marching orders. If you're going to be my follower, then go out and reproduce yourself. Go out and make other disciples. Bring other people to faith in me. And when they come, the sign that they are my follower will be baptism. And so baptism is a sign of following Jesus. And everybody follows somebody. 
We all do. You might follow an NFL player and, and uh, try to model your life after that person or a Hollywood actor or Dr. Phil or Oprah or somebody else. We all follow somebody. But when you're baptized, you, you're saying this. Some might follow that person. Some might follow this philosophy. Some might follow Allah or some might follow Krishna. I follow Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the statement that baptism makes publicly when, when we are baptized. And baptism, because it is not a ritual, it's not a ritual that, that conveys grace to us. It, it is a statement before others. It really needs to be a public thing. If it was just a ritual that conveys grace, then you could be baptized all by yourself and, and it wouldn't make any difference. But because it is something that is a statement, it, it is to be done in the presence of others. So, it's not only is it an outward statement, it's also a symbol of God's inner and deeper work. Romans 6.14 says this. It says, we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. What he's saying here is this, that the moment you or I receive Jesus Christ, it's like this time warp type of a thing happens, and God takes us and he puts us in Jesus on the cross. So that in Jesus' suffering and death, our old self dies with him. And then in his resurrection, we are resurrected to new life. And so baptism is a symbol of that. And this is why we baptize by immersion, because we believe that it best illustrates that symbol, that I died with Christ. I go, under, I go into the grave under the water. And just like Jesus came out of the grave, I come out of the water to new life. And so baptism is a symbol of my identity in Christ and my union with Christ. Now, I said we baptize by immersion, and that is, that is our our preferred method. We're not legalistic about that, though. I baptized a lady once many years ago in Michigan who um, was mentally challenged, um, very low IQ, and, and she was afraid of water. And for years she had wanted to be baptized, but her fear of water had kept her from being baptized. And so finally she said, I'm gonna be baptized. And everybody was saying, are you sure, are you sure? No, she wanted to be baptized. So I got her into the water, and um, we, we, we were dipping people backwards. I should have known enough to let her go forwards. But I got her back down to the water being right about right here. And she strained her neck up like this. Her eyes were as big as silver dollars, filled with terror. And I realized to get her head the whole way under the water, I'm just gonna have to put my hand on her head and push her under the water. And I thought, that's the kind of thing you should go to jail for. So I just said, okay, 90% okay, is good enough. <laughs> I don't think God's gonna mind the fact that the top of her head didn't get wet. There that water thing goes again. But at any rate, I say that just to say we're not legalistic about this. In fact, uh, we do baptize by immersion and we baptize people who are old enough to make a personal profession that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Sometimes that can be a, a pretty young child. But we don't baptize infants. 
What we do with infants is uh, we dedicate them, we pray over them, we anoint them with oil, and we do believe that there is something that happens when we do that, but uh, we believe baptism is to be reserved for a person old enough to make a knowledgeable confession of faith in Christ. Now, some are here, and you might say, well, what if my parents had me baptized as an infant? What if I was baptized as an infant? And um, I, I would say this, first, just stop and give thanks that you had parents who cared about your spiritual welfare. You know, thank God for that and praise God for that. And secondly, if you really, before God, you evaluate the whole thing, you read scripture, and you, like I, I have good friends who love God, who love the Bible just as much as I do, and they are convinced that baptizing infants is the right thing to do. And so if, if that's where you come out, as you've studied and as you've prayed, then we, we just bless that. We'd say, if, that, if you believe that your infant baptism was your baptism, then okay, we're good with that. We honor you and, and honor that choice of yours. However, if you're here and you're hearing this and something stirs inside you and you say, you know, I, I would like to, as an adult, make real clear my profession of faith in Christ through baptism then I would just say this, that's not a contradiction of what your parents did for you. That's more of a fulfillment of their desires for you. And, and really, there's nothing wrong with being baptized twice anyway. I was baptized as a sophomore in high school, and I'm not really sure I was saved then. I know for sure I didn't understand it. So I got baptized again later in life. And so, now you don't wanna do that just because you think it would be cool to be baptized twice. But if, if for good reasons, um, so I would encourage you, if you're here today, and if something's stirring in your heart, and you're saying, yeah, you know, I really feel like, like I should follow through with this at this point in my life, then I would just say, go for it. Just go for it. And, and, and thank your parents for having you dedicated, baptized before the Lord as an infant, but don't let that keep you from uh, fulfilling this as an adult. I'm going to end with this one passage. In Acts 8, 37 to 39, it says this. As they rode along, this is uh, Philip in the desert as, with the Ethiopian uh, ruler, uh, official. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the official said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way doing what? Rejoicing, okay? This is not a solemn, uh, emotionless event. This is a joyful event when we baptize people. So next week is going to be a big week. We baptize during worship. We're all singing and worshiping. Uh, we will have a camera for up-close view of the person that's being baptized. And it's really an awesome event. So make sure you come next week. And if you haven't been baptized yet, I would encourage you to give serious consideration to actually being baptized with us here next week, okay? All right. I'm going to introduce now Wilson, my son Wilson Cocker, who's going to introduce the next portion of our service. So give it up for Will. All right. So I know some of you are like, sweet, we're ending early. But we're not. No. You, what do you say? You don't want to miss what's going to happen next. We have an awesome couple, Nick and Jocelyn Hunter. Who knows Nick and Jocelyn? All right. So 
well-known, well-loved people in the church, really close friends of mine. Um, Nick and Jocelyn just spent the past year overseas with YWAM, a missions organization. Uh, they spent three months in Australia, and they were in Australia because Jocelyn was doing a birth attendant school. So she was learning how to deliver babies in third world countries and um, hard hospital conditions. And then they spent about eight months um, going throughout Southeast Asia and Africa, delivering babies. Here, here's some of the crazy stats, okay? 28 flights, seven countries, a lot of beds. Uh, Nick is completing grad school right now, so 27 credit hours of grad school worked on overseas. 70 hours of worship led. They took vans, taxis, trains, rickshaws, motorcycles, buses, boats. Steve Martin and John Candy were there for that whole thing. Um, if you're quick, you understand that joke. But really quick too, the Hunter family, key, key family of this church, been a part of the church for 15 plus years. Nick's parents lead the prayer team. Him and uh, both his older sisters have served on staff in the past. And still, being that amazing, he still married, uh, managed to marry up and marry way out of his league with Jocelyn. So, Jocelyn's amazing. Will you guys just stand up with me and welcome Nick and Jocelyn back to Vineyard Northwest and to the stage. So Nick and Jocelyn left in July of 2018? That's right. Cool. And then they just got back this summer. And you re after such a crazy journey and um, full of ups and downs and everywhere in between, you really need some time just to personally process and debrief that. So tell us just how has it been being back in Cincinnati? Yeah, it's, there's, I mean, there's no place like home. <laughs> That's, uh, it's great to be back. Um, yeah, we love just being back part of our VCNW family, um, our actual families, and uh, yeah, just friends. So yeah, I mean, it's, it hasn't been easy, but it's been great being home. Yeah, a lot of transition for us right now, but we're really thankful that we have this place to call home and call family as we transition back into what life looks like in America for us again. Awesome. So let's just dive in. You spent three months in Australia taking kind of classes in a lecture phase, and then the first country you guys went to is Uganda, correct? Mm -hmm. And that's maybe where you were, the, is that where you were the longest? Yeah, so besides Australia, which was like our base, we were in Uganda um, for about two and a half months. Um, we have a, a picture, I think it's picture three, of our team, Uganda team. Um, that's not that's us in Uganda, but yeah, there's our team. Um, so yeah, it, um, Nick is the ladies' man. Yeah, check that out. So I was the tallest one. This was one a, a on Mormon mission trip. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so um, those are the uh, authentic uh, Chitanges that they're all wearing. That right? That's the right name for it. Yeah, yeah. got it. Um, and so yeah, in Uganda. We, there were a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Um, so we, I mean, we hit the ground running literally the day after we arrived. They were doing a clinic, um, weighing babies under a mango tree out in a village. Like it was just so, what like comes to mind when you think of like third world missions. Um, but we also saw some of the most amazing 
things. People were so receptive to the gospel in Uganda. Um, it's, there, there's a lot of Christians there already, but some are, are just, you know, maybe they're not totally sure what that means. They're just Christian by name, um, the religion they've chosen or something like that. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we saw, yeah, thousands of people give their lives to Jesus in Uganda. Um, some amazing healing testimonies. Um, but yeah, what do you have to say about yeah. Uganda? Something that was really neat about being in Uganda is the reason that the birth attendance school was started by YWAM Perth was to reach Muslim women because childbirth is a time in most countries when um, the family is not there, like the husband is not there, and it's a time when a woman is all alone with the person delivering her baby or maybe with just her sister or someone else there. And it's a time where you can be up close, personal with a woman, and that's when like all the veils come off and everything, and they're so open to knowing who Jesus is. So Uganda has a lot of Muslims um, there are a lot of Christians as well, but a lot of Muslims in Uganda, and so we were able to share the gospel with so many Muslim women and see them give their life to Jesus. And that was one of my favorite things about being in Uganda, for sure. So how many, I want to hear more about Uganda. I know there's some really cool things to share. How many babies did you deliver, Jocelyn, throughout the eight months? Yeah, there's a picture of me with a baby. This is the first baby I delivered. It was in Uganda, and I did 13 deliveries during my school. I assisted with many more, but I was a primary midwife for 13 deliveries. That's yeah. awesome. There's a lot of babies being born in Uganda, so there were a lot of babies to catch. Um, many women have multiple, multiple children, more than you could even imagine. So it was always something to do in the hospitals. One thing that was really um, significant during our time overseas was a prophetic act that we do as midwives. The birth attendant school trains midwives not just to be midwives and know practical medical skills, but to be godly midwives and to be women who fear the Lord and who bring God into birth because God created birth. He created it to be something that's good. It's not something evil. It's not something dark or scary, but it's a moment of life. And in moments of life, the enemy wants to take life. He wants to bring death. And so there's so much power in declaring the name of Jesus during a delivery and praying and interceding. And especially in Uganda where there's a lot of witchcraft as well. There's a lot of oppression over women in labor and we saw a lot of complications, but we also saw a lot of life because we were there to bring God and to bring Holy Spirit into those moments. So yeah. Um, so what, prophetic, what was the prophetic yeah. act? Yeah. <laughs> that was these hats. You can see this little baby's wearing this hat. We bring thousands of hats with us on the school and we put them on every baby that we deliver and also any baby that we're around that we take care of for any amount of time, any mom that we're with, we give out these hats because we have thousands of them. And we say that they're helmets of salvation. And so we put them on the baby and we declare over their life God's promises and we declare who God is. And that was something that came up over and over again, that something would be going wrong and we would put a hat on a baby and there would be a miracle that would happen because it's a prophetic act that we do. Um, one kind of cool test, I mean, really cool testimony that I love to share was when we um, were doing ministry on an island. So we went to an island for about 10 days um, in Lake Victoria and then from that island, we took a tiny little boat to smaller islands 
Um, just extreme language barrier. Uh, we had one translator, a couple who would go along with us, but there was one guy who, through a translator, um, we found out that he had he had a pain in his stomach for the past year, um, and he said that he was Muslim, which is also besides Christianity, um, Islam is probably the the second most religion in Uganda. Um, so he he had all this pain in his stomach. And so we just, through a translator, just prayed for him um, and then kind of asked him to like test it out as, as Van was saying before. And his eyes, you know, it got that look that you just like always hope to see when you pray for someone of just like, oh my gosh. And he's like, there's no pain there. Um, and he was just completely healed right then. Um, and so again, through a translator, we shared the gospel with him um, and he found out that he he had been a Christian earlier in his life, but he said that he never really like felt anything from it or it, it he never, I don't know, he never connected with it. And so he uh, became Muslim. But that day when we just told him that it was Jesus who had just healed him, um, he, he gave his life back to Jesus that day. Um, yeah, so that was, that was amazing. And that day we just went throughout the island and it just, it really felt like something from the book of Acts because we were just, I mean, the, just so much faith there. Um, and we had so much faith from those testimonies early on. So we just went around sharing the gospel, praying for people, saw a lot of healings. Um, yeah, just way out on an island on Lake Victoria. So, so amazing stuff. Share with us some, and we talked this week about some of the adversity you guys faced and some very real challenges. I think each of you kind of had to go through. I think that's really going to minister to all of us a ton to hear how you persevered and how you processed it. And so, yeah, which, whichever one of you. Yeah, Uganda, it's, it has a very special place in our heart. It was amazing, and we saw all of these miracles. We saw God suit do so much in Uganda, but we also saw so much pain and so much suffering. And one thing that really impacted me as going into the school, I asked God if he would give me more of his heart. And that was what I wanted. I was like, if I get nothing out of the school, no matter all the midwifery experience, I just want more of your heart, God. And I know that he gave me more of his heart, but it's very costly when you ask for something like that and it costs you something. And for me, that was learning how to grieve with families and grieve with families who were suffering, who had lost a baby or who had lost a loved one to a disease or to an illness. And in a span of eight days, I grieved with three mothers who lost their babies, their newborn babies. And that's something that when that happens in America, it's shocking when someone loses a baby. It's heartbreaking and we can't imagine it. And it's, it's horrifying, and yet in Uganda, it's normal. And the women were grieved and they were sad, but it was normal. But to God, it's not normal, and it's not okay to God. And he wants people to grieve, and he wants women to grieve, and families to grieve. And so those were some of the most heartbreaking moments where you just want to run, you want to walk away, because it costs you so much to stay present. But those were the moments where I saw so much of God and how God was already there. He was already grieving with them, but he wanted me to be there to bring him into those moments with those families and to pray with them and to speak his name. And we saw several women give their life to Jesus after they just lost their baby. And that's something only God does in moments like that. That's only him that can do that. Let's just 
thank and honor Jocelyn for a moment for being brave and grieving and just thank you Jocelyn seriously you're amazing Nick yeah um, so for me uh, the battle was mainly a mental one um, through this whole trip overseas um, and actually the the very first day we arrived in Uganda, um, I had, I, I experienced something I never experienced, um, which was like a panic attack. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've had times of being anxious before, but uh, never something like this. And it was just kind of, it was just sort of the culture shock, um, sort of the weight of what we were doing, realizing like, oh, we're here for the next two and a half months as we're driving on these dirt roads past, you know, people who don't speak my language, who don't look like me. Um, and I was, I was able to kind of move past it um, after that first day um, and was doing okay. But as, as Will mentioned, I was doing grad school through the whole time. And that turned out to be... And what's your, tell us what you're studying. Oh, I'm, I'm studying counseling. So I'm doing my master's in counseling. So you're studying about panic attacks as right. you're experiencing it. Exactly, which was not helpful. Um, and yeah, so th through, through these months of doing it, it, it became apparent that I had bit off a lot more than I could chew, trying to do, trying to keep up with my schoolwork in a third world nation where sometimes the Wi-Fi for the entire city goes out for like a day or two. Um, and about two weeks before we left Uganda, um, I, had, I experienced another panic attack. Um, and this time it, uh, it didn't, I wasn't able to get over it as easily. Um, so the, the last two weeks in Uganda were very, very stressful for me, very hard. Um, I was just done. That, I mean, in a word, I was done. Um, and I, so we went back to, we went back to Australia for Christmas, um, and I, I was just, I mean, it was like I was stumbling through the finish line of that first leg of the trip as I got back to Australia. Um, so that journey continued in Australia for the rest of the trip. Um, it's, it's something I'm still working through now, um, but, but I'll, get to that more a little later. So that was, also, that was Uganda for me. Thanks for being open, man, and sharing with us. That's really brave, not easy. So we, we sang the song, Raise a Hallelujah, this morning. And that wasn't even a, this week when we met up, they were talking, they're like, yeah, there's these two songs that really meant a lot to us on the trip, Goodness of God and Raise a Hallelujah. And then I just look at um, the, software used to plan the Sunday services, and I see that the first song on the list is Raise the Hallelujah. And I said, did you tell Tyler and Jen that? Did you tell Vinny? They're like, no, no. And I said, well, Holy Spirit's a pretty good planner, and got that set up. But tell us, what did that song, Raise the Hallelujah, mean to you? Yeah. Well, I can tell why that song uh, meant a lot to us. We were in India, and after Christmas, we headed to India, and we were supposed to be there for five months of outreach. 
and we had so much favor there. The birth attendant school had been going to this part of India for about 16 years, and so there was so much openness, so many open doors in the hospitals, and that was the plan, five months in India, and after being in India only five weeks, we ended up getting kicked out and were asked to leave the country um, because of immigration and things. And during that time, the Victory album, which has Raise a Hallelujah and Goodness of God, came out. And so it was really impactful for us during that time. Yeah, I, I was looking it up this morning, and the album came out on January 25th. Um, and that was like literally the, the week, um, maybe even the day, who knows, but it was the week that we were asked to leave India, and uh, and we did not know what was going to happen. Um, maybe um, some of you uh, were keeping up with our blogs, um, which, by the way, so I don't forget, thank you so much to everyone who kept up with our blogs, everyone who gave to us financially. Um, when we found out we had to leave India, that also meant that we had to raise more money for extra plane tickets that we weren't planning on from the beginning. Um, so we kind of sent out sort of like an emergency, like, um, like we need more money. Um, and so many people gave, this church gave. Um, it was amazing. But, yeah, um, that song, those songs, uh, I was helping lead worship on the team, and, and I, I heard goodness of God, and I was like, wow, we got to sing this. So um, we, we sang that um, just as a declaration as we were meeting with, government officials who were telling us that we couldn't stay in their country anymore um, and we had no clue where we would be going so we sort of started a season of what just felt like wandering um, we went to Malaysia for a month we went to Nepal for a month Cambodia for a month and we never quite felt like like that was never the plan so we never really felt settled um, and as I mentioned before, um, I was continuing to, to struggle with anxiety. Um, <laughs> and sometimes all we could do was worship, was sing. Um, and the song Raise a Hallelujah, one of the lines is, is um, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. <laughs> and we, um, we received a prophetic word before we left on this trip from Dan Hack. I don't know if you're in here, Dan. Um, maybe he's a second servicer. But uh, he said that worship will be your battering ram. And he said, sometimes the walls will just fall down, but sometimes you're just going to have to worship. And so in those months, we would just sing. <laughs> and as I felt a panic attack coming on and just wondering if I was going crazy, <laughs> We would just turn on that song, and we would just sing, <laughs> and uh, and that's what got us what got us through that time, and so 
even coming back these, these months, there's times when all we can do is, is just worship. When we, when we don't know what else to do, when we don't know why terrible things have happened, when we don't know why, why, uh, why we're not doing things the way that we plan to do them, all we could just do is sing. And so for the, for the last, for the last 10 months or whatever since that album has dropped, Raise the Hallelujah and Goodness of God have just been like the anthem of our hearts over and over. Um, and I just, I'm so thankful to be part of a community that believes in the prophetic, that believes in hearing God's voice and encouraging people in that way. And I'm just so thankful for that word that got us through that time. Love you. So good. So I wish we had more time. We could clearly go for another half hour and all be on the edge of our seat. I want to say this before Jocelyn shares one last story about the hats, the little baby hats. Come forward for prayer this morning for um, infertility and healing for men and women. We really think God's going to move there. Um, Mental illness, like there's grace to be imparted to you just for like chemical imbalance to be healed and lives to be broken, but also wisdom on how to walk out of it. You know, Nick is... See, in counseling, I see a counselor once a month just to deal with all you crazy people. Um, and so, like, for this morning, there's breakthrough for um, infertility for men and women, and then also for mental illness and just depression and all that kind of stuff to get to get just set free, but also to get wisdom on how to walk it out, or how to walk out um, mental health in that area. But before I send you guys to get your kids, Jocelyn, will you share about the yeah. hats? Yeah, I'd love to. This is a really amazing story. It's really hard to share sometimes um, because there's so much depth to it. But the last day that we were in Uganda, we had seen all the good, all of the bad during our time in Uganda. It was our last day in the hospital and we had done a lot of deliveries. Everything had gone really well. It was the afternoon. I was finishing up paperwork. We were about to head home. And in that moment, there was just like a shift in the hospital. And like I said earlier, there's a lot of witchcraft. And so it just felt like a heaviness came over the room. And uh, we lost a baby in that moment. And that was really heartbreaking. It was very unexpected. And then we lost another mom and then we lost a baby again and so we lost a mom and two babies that day in the hospital and this mom was 18 years old it was her first baby and she died of anemia because she didn't know what that was she didn't know how to get iron into her food and things like that are not okay and they're not okay with god he's so grieved by that he's so grieved by an 18 year old girl dying and her baby dying and god's heart is not for that it's for life and we fought for this mom we fought for this baby and we lost them and we were so heartbroken over this we were so grieved by this and we were had been there hours longer than we had planned and we were getting ready to go home after this heartbreaking last day in the hospital And I was back in the labor room again, and there's a mom that we had been with for so much of the day who hadn't had her baby, and she was finally just having her baby. 
And I thought, okay, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to be with her right in that moment because we love when the baby's born to say, welcome baby in Jesus' name. For those to be the first words that the baby hears is welcome baby in Jesus' name. Because no matter the situation, no matter the pain, this is a gift. This child is a gift and this child is loved by God. And so I turned around and in that moment, the midwife, the Ugandan midwife who was doing the delivery, she delivered the baby and she said, what is this? And the baby was born without a heart rate and this baby had been fine the entire day, totally fine. We'd been checking the baby and the mom, everything was fine and the baby wasn't breathing and there was no heartbeat. And I just felt my spirit sink, not again. And I just said to God, not again. I don't want to see death again today. This is not okay. And so I knew in that moment what God was telling me to do. And I just felt something rise up in my spirit. And so I took a hat out of my pocket and I put the hat on the baby's head. And as I did that, I said, not again, Satan. And the baby breathed and came back to life. And while I still don't understand the death and I don't understand the pain that I saw and I don't have answers for any of that, I know that that day God said, death will not win today. Death will not have the final word today. I will have the final word and I am a giver of life. And that is why we saw life at the end of that day. And so it's an amazing story and it's a miracle, but there's so much grief and death behind it as well. And that's something that I'm just still on a journey of processing with God. But our God is good, and he's close, and he loves us. And yeah, I just want to impart that to any of you today. If you're waiting for a miracle, if you've you guys seen just stand. death just stand after death, if you've seen grief after grief, if you've just seen so much pain in your life recently, that's not God. God is good, and he's for you, and he loves you, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So Jesus, I speak your love. I speak your peace right now over this room. We bless women. We bless mothers. We bless women who want to be mothers and who aren't yet. We thank you that you are a God who cares, that you are a God who brings peace in moments where there's uncertainty and where there's pain. And we just say, come Holy Spirit, just come close today. Show people that you are a way-making, miracle-working, promise-keeping God. That's who you are, Jesus. That's who you are. Yeah, and we just speak radical joy and peace over people's lives right now in Jesus' name. We just speak to the storms and say, peace, be still. Peace, be still. To people's minds, to your brains, to your hearts, peace, be still. And we just say, joy, rise up in people's hearts today. Rise up in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up for Nick and Jocelyn one more time. Love you guys. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here this morning. We'd ask you, if you have little kids, please go grab them. They're, they're ready for you. But if not, um, feel free to come down front, get prayer. Prayer teams are making their way down right now as I speak. You can come down and get prayer. Have an amazing Sunday.